Welcome to The Sleep Sessions. I'm your host, Dara Whitaker. This podcast is a place for women to share their successes and challenges of adapting to life and sleep after a new baby. Whether you're expecting your first or a mother of five, you can listen in weekly to learn, feel supported, and celebrate each other's unique experiences. Today, I'm speaking with Amanda about her experiences with infertility, having a C-section with her first baby, followed by a V-back with her second, sleep training, and having two under two. This episode is brought to you by Beluga Baby. Beluga Baby was started by a mom for moms and dads all over the world. Her super soft, breathable bamboo wraps are perfect for the newborn days and beyond, giving your baby a womb-like environment to relax into while giving you your hands back. She wanted to create something that provided more freedom in the newborn days, and baby wraps have been proven to reduce infant crying by over 40%. Her wraps will be a major game changer for me when baby girl number two arrives, and I'll have my hands full with two under two. Get yours today at belugababy.com. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling me about you and your family? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed listening to all the episodes over the past month. So I appreciate that. Um, My husband Gideon and I have been married for about 10 and a half years. And we have um, our oldest is 21 months. His name is Wyatt. And we just had a baby in February. Her name is Monroe. And she is almost three months. I Uh, love their name. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, I am a respiratory therapist and freelance copywriter. Uh, My husband is in sales. And we just started training for um, a business we want to start doing lead generation and SEO for local businesses. So that's kind of us in a nutshell. That's awesome. Is there anything listeners should know about either of your birth stories? Yeah. So before I talk about my birth stories with my kids, I should probably give a little bit of a background on how we got there. So um, we have been dealing with infertility for a long time. Uh, When I was 19, almost 20, I went to my first OBGYN appointment. I had some lab work done and I was diagnosed with PCOS and they told me I would have a hard time getting pregnant. And at the time I was shocked and disappointed, but I didn't really know how to process it because I was so young. We weren't ready to even have kids at the point, you know, I was 20 years old getting married. Kids wasn't, you know, on the forefront of my mind. So what ended up happening was a few years later, we decided we were ready and we tried for 18 months and nothing happened. Uh, it wasn't really a surprise because we had never really prevented it before. So I found a fertility clinic in my area and, and went in and they had me try a few cycles of drugs like Famara and a ovulation shot. So we did that for a few months and it didn't work. And personally, I was really devastated. I was afraid to go forward with more invasive treatments because I was afraid they wouldn't work. And I was afraid of the answer um, at the end of the journey. I didn't want it to be that I could never have kids. So I kind of fell into a pretty deep depression for, uh, you know, another year or two. I felt like infertility was my identity and I couldn't really escape that. Um, But at the time I worked with a lot of uh, nurses that had dealt with fertility issues as well. And one of my friends who had just gotten pregnant with twins through IVF, uh, she recommended that I go see the doctor that she had been successful with, who happened to be 
actually less than a mile from the hospital we worked at. Oh. Yeah. So I made an appointment in May, actually. It was about three years ago. And the waiting list was five months long. It's much longer now, actually. But it was five months long. And my first appointment was in October. And I loved this doctor right away. I went in. He spent close to 45 minutes with me, just going over all my options, what I had already done, uh, what the probable cause was, why I wasn't getting pregnant. And he said, you know, we can go right to IVF and it has a very high successful rate, or we can start a little more conservative with drugs again, or we can do IUI, which which is kind of in the middle. So uh, looking at the costs of everything, because that's always a factor as well, IUI was the most affordable thing for us at the time, and we hadn't tried it yet. So we decided to move forward with that. And the next month we went with that cycle and um, I did the injections and went in for ultrasounds and I had three eggs ready to ovulate. So I took the ovulation shot and we went in for the procedure and it was a two week wait after that, which if you talk to anybody that's been through fertility treatments, like that two week wait is just the hardest, hardest thing ever. So uh, the day came that I was supposed to test and I I was having symptoms of having a period and in my mind, I had already decided it, it hadn't worked because normally the symptoms I was having mean I'm about to start another cycle. So I was supposed to work that day. And so I decided I was going to wake up really early before work. I already get up at four. So I was like, I'm going to wake up at like 3.15 because I just, if I get a negative test, I need to be able to just process it and get over it before I go to work. So I woke up at 3.15, uh, took the pregnancy test, and I was so sure that I was negative that I didn't even wait for the results. So I put it on the bathroom counter. I went and ate a bowl of cereal at like 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> and I came back to look at it, and it was positive. And oh I gosh. was like, I was like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? I, I just, I probably sat in the bathroom just holding it for <laughs> five minutes, and so I you know, I get up and go wake up my husband. It's like 3.45. And he's, you know, barely awake, probably didn't know I was waking him up. And I was like, my test is positive, you know, and it was really the probably the one of the happiest moments of our life. It was awesome. So um, yeah, that was that was the first and uh, he, let's see, we did a little bit of a early ultrasound about 16 17 weeks to find out that it was a boy and I was really hoping I would have a boy first because I grew up with uh three girls in my family and I was like totally wanting a boy (laughs) so (laughs) I was so excited to find out we're having a boy and about 36 ish weeks we found out that he turned breech and it happened at the very end of my pregnancy but I didn't even notice it so my doctor said, okay, here's your options. You can have a version where we try to turn them or we can just schedule a C-section. And I personally strongly felt that ha- trying to have a version was not right. I was um, just really nervous about putting him in distress or, you know, complications. So I'm like, you know what, if he's breached, there's a reason for it. Just schedule the C-section. So they scheduled it at 39 weeks and, um, let's see, six days before that, I was 38 and two. I started having some kind of crampy contractions, but you know, I had never been in labor before. I had no idea. So I didn't think it was 
labor, I was like, oh man, these hurt, but oh well, you know. So um, I went to bed that night and well, I, I fell asleep for maybe a couple hours and then woke up with really painful contractions. So I started keeping track. Um, they happened about every 15 minutes through the entire night and they were like three minutes long because oh. the position he was in, I think just irritated my uterus. So they were really long and, you know, I knew the five to seven minute window was when you should probably go in. At least that's what I thought. And so I just had them all night. And then the next morning they were still about 15 minutes apart. So I'm like, you know what? I, my C-section isn't for another five days. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm, I was, you know, didn't know what to expect. So at like 1130, I ate two pieces of pizza, like, you know, <laughs> going on like with normal life. And um, they started getting a little closer together. And I was like, you know what, let's just go get checked because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what labor feels like. These hurt. I'm starting not to be able to stand up when they happen. So we we already had our bag packed and we went to the hospital and they were getting really bad. And so I, I get in the triage area and I'm at four centimeters and they're like, yeah, you're we're taking you back for a C-section. You're going to have a baby have you eaten anything today? I'm like, well, I just ate two pieces of pizza like two hours ago, but I guess that was okay because they couldn't let him be born vaginally breached. So right. um, it was an awesome experience. Like it was very calm and we were just like so excited to be parents and it was just, you know, the best experience of my life. And um, he, he was perfectly healthy and he was pretty big. He was eight pounds, 10 ounces. So I was like a little happy that I didn't have to push him out. <laughs> right. I love uh, your perspective yeah. on just kind of going with the flow and, and just doing whatever you needed to do to get the baby there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that's him. And then with my daughter. Um, okay. So you probably already noticed my kids are 18 months apart. So when Wyatt was, you know, seven or eight months, I kind of put through the idea out there to my husband, hey, like, when do we want to have another baby? And he's like, what? We have a seven month old. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, you know, I, I just thought that we got lucky with our IUI, it working the first try. I mean, I didn't know how things were going to go again, if it would take longer, if we'd need IVF. So um, I called my fertility doctor and I said, what is when's the soonest I can do this? And they said nine months. So, um, you know, at the nine month mark, I was back in there and doing the same stuff. And long story short, our first IUI attempt worked again. Amazing. Um, yeah, super amazing. Uh, so we found out we were having a girl, um, taking care of basically a baby was really hard the first trimester because you're just so sick and tired. And I needed a lot of help from my mom because I it was hard to get out of bed you know and yeah my son is an early riser and I could not handle it so but I made it through it and um so one thing I needed to consider was if I wanted to have a repeat c-section or a v-back and I struggled with that decision my entire pregnancy um, from the very beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And my husband's like, well, you have nine months to decide. I don't think you need to worry about it right now. And I ended up, at first, I was pretty dead set on having another C-section. And then once I went through the data um, and the research, VBAC is actually like a little bit safer. And if I wanted to have more kids, 
uh, it was still safer to have a VBAC. So I decided I was going to try that. And um, I wasn't, you know, 100% excited about that. I didn't feel really strongly like I had to have this experience because I know a lot of women feel like they want to have that experience. I mostly just did it because I knew I would have an 18 month out old at home and I wanted to be able to heal faster and you know so that that was the reason why and so uh, let's see my last day of work was like February 6th and then February I was due February 22nd Um, and then just like my son at 38 weeks two days I start having those crampy contractions and I'm like oh my gosh I think I'm gonna have a baby soon so they were very far apart though so it could have been a couple days Um, so I was texting a friend of mine, she's a postpartum nurse and she said, Hey, um, all the labor and delivery nurses at my hospital say this has like a hundred percent success rate of getting your labor moving along. Um, they call it a labor shake and okay. So it's castor oil, a raw egg and ice cream blended together. And I was like, there is no way in heck that I am drinking that you're out of your mind. And then later in the day, I was just so uncomfortable. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So on the way home, my husband got all that stuff from the store. I was at my mom's because she was helping me with Wyatt just because I was having such a hard time moving around at that point. And I drank it at 4 o'clock, 4.15. We drove home. I had a couple contractions, like not bad enough where I couldn't drive, but I could just feel, you know, some more contractions happening. And then I go home and you know, casually take a shower. I told my mom, I might be calling you tonight, might not, you know, I don't know. And they're starting to pick up a little bit. And by six o'clock, they're probably 15 minutes apart. Um, So I tell my mom, hey, you might want to come over in the next couple hours. I think I might be going to the hospital at night. And then by 6.30, 6.45, they were very rapidly went from 15 to 10 to like eight to so by the time we were running out the door at 7 p.m., they were less than two minutes apart. Oh, my god! <laughs> I know. So I was freaking out because I had never done this before other than, you know, the labor I had with my son. I was like, I'm going to have a VBAC in the car. I'm going to have this baby in the car. And I was freaking out. I was going to say, how far away was the hospital? So we where we live, so it was nighttime it was raining and there's construction so we were probably 30 minutes away from the hospital oh my gosh. Okay. I know so I was like we're not gonna make it so we're close to being halfway there and my husband is also freaking out and so he calls 911 and they're telling him to pull over and I'm like if you effing pull over I'm going to kill you like <laughs> please keep going <laughs> um, and so he pulls over he's got like two women telling him what to do he listens to the dispatcher, um, and a few minutes later, an ambulance shows up, and they take me to the hospital. That probably wasn't necessary, but it was, you know, just in case. We didn't know how fast things were going to progress. So I get there around 730, um, and I my doctor was already there, and they checked me, and I was at a four. And oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, someone needs to give me an epidural right now. And they're like, sorry, the only anesthesiologist on just went back for a C-section. Like, you're going to have to deal with it. And I I kind of just mentally fell apart at that point because the pain was so intense. And the thought of I'm not going to have any pain relief for who knows how long or at all was just overwhelming to me. So 
I, uh, I had a birth photographer there. I also had one with my son, by the way. So I had a birth photographer there, um, which I'm really glad she was able to come. But it was three more hours of back-to-back contractions, basically. Um, they were like one and a half minutes apart, maybe two sometimes. Um, they're just really, really intense. Most painful experience of my life. I'm sure everyone listening can agree that there's nothing more painful than labor. Um, so I, let's see, about 1030, the anesthesiologist comes rolling in. And at this point, my contractions are so intense that I'm like starting to push a little bit. And, uh, they check me, I'm eight and a half centimeters. And, um, he's like, I think it's too late to give her an epidural. And my doctor was just like, no, you're going to give her one. She's been like this for hours. She needs pain relief. So, um, you know, you have to sit on the edge of the bed in this uncomfortable position and not move. So at that point, it was like, okay, every minute I'm having a contraction. So I'm just dripping sweat, trying to stay still. And it takes him six tries to get the epidural in. No. Uh, and I, I honestly can barely remember it. I just, all I remember is pain. So he finally gets it in. And after a few more contractions, I don't feel anything anymore. And I just like fall asleep. So um, that was the most amazing feeling of my life. And, uh, <laughs> about an hour and 15 minutes go by every, that kind of slowed everything down a little bit, but about an hour and 15 minutes later at 12, 15 AM, uh, I started pushing, I couldn't feel anything. So they told me I was doing a good job. So I just kept doing that. And, uh, she was born 45 minutes later and I had a third degree tear, uh, mm-hmm. which I had no idea what that was until I looked it up and the pain you know, the epidural wore off and I was like, oh my gosh, like anything with the word anal sphincter in it is not good, you know? Right. <laughs> so it was, oh, it was intense. Thing. Yeah. I was like, my easy VBAC recovery just turned into something on another level, you know? Yeah. Um, so that is wow. the story. So, I, that's awesome. I didn't know that v-backs were a safer option than c-sections yeah there is actually a podcast i think it's called the v-back link um they have a lot of really good information and episodes on that um i didn't know that either but yeah they're they used to not be recommended but now that's kind of the way things are moving as v-backs are safer that's very interesting how was it I mean, with your third degree tear, that must have been a tough recovery. How was it when you came home? So um, let's see, I stayed two more nights in the hospital. Um, You know, I got pain medicine there, but I didn't really have to do anything but sit in a bed. Well, lay down in a bed because I couldn't sit. So once I got home and I had to, you know, take care of my kids, um, it was a lot harder. It was very painful. I couldn't sit down. It was hard to walk. It was hard to sleep kind of just like a c-section recovery is really painful you need help getting up and sitting down and for two weeks it was just really really painful and then once that two weeks hit things started getting better but I'm still even at three months postpartum still healing um, the muscles and stuff so I wouldn't say it was really much easier than recovering from a c-section but you know what can you do yeah. How, how is your daughter sleeping? She's three months old. How's it going? So she actually is sleeping really well. Uh, the first little bit there, she was just like a normal newborn wanting to eat every two hours and stuff. So um, 
she now, um, let's see, at two months, she started only waking up once a night. So she goes down around seven, eight. Um, let's see, we feed, we do a dream feed around 930. And then she wakes up at three or four to eat and goes back, back to bed until seven. That's pretty yeah, great. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> How did that compare to your son when he first came home? So my son was a little more needy. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we are brand new parents, like just so happy to be parents in this sleepless, like just heaven, We're happy to have a baby. And anytime that baby would cry, we would pick him up and put him in our bed. So he got used to that really fast and he did not like sleeping by himself. So he was a pretty terrible sleeper, actually. Uh, it took, let's see, he was nine months before we were finally like, we can't take this anymore. We're not getting any sleep. Uh, I can't function anymore. So we bought the Taking Care of Babies ABCs of Sleep course. And within a week, he was sleeping through the night. And he is a fantastic sleeper now. So it was probably the best money we ever spent. What was the biggest change that you made that you learned from the course? Let's see. Um, probably just being okay with them crying a little bit and knowing that they're okay. And we're going to see them again in the morning if they wake up. You know, I think as a mom, you know your child has different cries. So you know if they're scared or hurt or if they've, they're just waking up crying and they'll go back to sleep. So I think we were able to finally be okay with him crying and not feel like we're being bad parents if we let him cry for a little bit you know and did you follow the taking care of babies course with your daughter too so funny enough we bought the newborn course maybe a month before she was born and we didn't watch it we're like we'll watch it you know when she's born but she has done so well we have not even needed to watch it so she's coming up on three three months and she actually has another course for three to four month old. So we haven't even needed to do anything. I mean, I wish I could say that her good sleeping is due to us, but it's not, she's just naturally a good sleeper. And some people are lucky with that. And some people aren't, unfortunately. Yeah. And you've had both experiences. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are you guys now? So it's been kind of weird after having my daughter because Let's see, she was born on the 11th. And then in the next couple of weeks, you know, all the coronavirus stuff started happening. And so after two weeks, we pretty much said no visitors at all. Um, so it was very, it's been a very isolating recovery. Because, you know, when you're recovering from childbirth, you know, you have your friends and family coming over and loving on you, loving on the baby, bringing you snacks and meals and drinks and just supporting you. And I feel like I really missed out on that support while I was healing mentally and physically. So it was really difficult. Um, my sister came and stayed with me because the plan was she was going to come stay with me for a few weeks and take my son, you know, to the zoo and to the park and to the aquarium. And so she gets here and I'm like, no one can go anywhere, you know? Um, <laughs> so we were just like all on lockdown for three weeks until she left, but it was actually at least nice having her here. Um, it would have been even harder if I didn't have anyone to, you know, talk to during that time. Um, yeah. And especially to help out with your son. I mean, oh, yeah. two under two and then a recovery from, 
from a tear and just birth itself that that would have been crazy yeah and I just felt like he deserved having as much attention as we could give him so it was nice that I had somebody to help with that while I'm you know handling a newborn baby how does that impact you mentally just not being able to fully dedicate yourself to your son as you had before now that you have your daughter that you have to balance both of them so at first I was extremely worried about that I I remember before I went to the hospital um my husband had been doing the bedtime routine for a long time by that point I almost never put him to bed but I'm like I'm having the baby tonight I want to put my son to bed the last time just me and him so I like rock him to sleep and tell him like you made me a mom like I love you so much I put him to bed and when Mm -hmm. I get home um it was not it was not as bad as I thought it would be um I I was worried about having enough love to give to two kids uh and your love multiplies rather than having to divide it, you know? So um, I think he adapted really fast and I adapted really fast because you kind of have to. And you, if you're, if you can put the baby down for a little bit and go play with the toddler and include him and stuff while you're holding the baby, you, you figure it out. It's hard, but you figure it out and you kind of come up with your new normal routine and it's actually been pretty good. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. Mm -hmm. How has having a, or having your kids impacted your relationship with your husband or friends or family? I think in any relationship, when you have a baby together, you're going to go through, through some hard times. Um, when you're sleep deprived, you are both grumpy and short tempered. And, um, but it definitely brought us closer together for sure, because we went, we went so long without having kids and thinking that we would never have kids. I think when we finally did, we were both just like such a good team. Uh, my husband pretty much gets up with a baby for that four o'clock feeding 90% of the time. Um, he's awesome. He's the best dad. And I think we both appreciate each other for what we bring to the table. And it's made us a lot closer. And in terms of my friends, I had this new kind of outlook on, wow, this is what you guys have been through being moms. Because, you know, by the time I had my first, most of my friends had three kids already so I could just never relate to that and so it made me appreciate Mm -hmm. them more and it was just awesome kind of becoming a mom and getting to experience that with my friends and it kind of made me have a closer relationship with them we we kind of bonded over that more uh, so and I'm sure you got a bunch of good tips from them absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yep That's great. Speaking of tips, do you have any tips that you want to share or any resources that really helped you? So I definitely taking, I would definitely recommend taking care of babies that that was life changing. She has an Instagram account. She has three different sleep training programs worth every penny. Um, And I think just try not to stress over the small stuff, especially when you have two little ones, because, you know, when you're so busy with Uh, work and uh, your side job even and trying to take care of two little kids like nothing is going to be perfect so something has to give and my time with my children isn't worth a clean house or you know what I mean so I think just kind of trying to live in the moment and appreciate the stage that you're in even if it's hard because one day you're going to look back and wish that your kids were babies again. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at, at the sleep sessions.